Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al spit all over your retirement plans. No, sorry, this says they spitball ideas for your retirement plans. First, they'll look at several aspects of retirement for a couple who wants to retire early. Should they be investing in brokerage and Roth accounts instead of pre-tax accounts? How should they optimize their tax diversification? Should they take the pension lump sum or the annuity? And what about paying for kids' college education? Then, how do you figure out what your retirement number is so that you can set your savings on autopilot? They'll spitball ideas about that, too. Next, what exactly is this life? insurance investment you hear about on the radio with a guaranteed 10% return? Do dividend-paying stocks have a higher rate of return than the ever-popular VTSAX? And should you hold individual stocks in a taxable account? And when should you jump into the market, given how COVID-crazy things are right now? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, the shot callers, the spitballers themselves, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Brandon from Minnesconsin. Oh, sweet. All right. That's going to be near you somewhere. Yes, sir. Hey there, Andy. So bear with me, folks, because <laughs> it's a book. It's a book. There's this, this, this is the, one of the longest emails in the history, and I'm going to try to go through it fairly quickly. I'm not... Um, Just kind of paraphrase if you can. If I can, kind of skip around a little yeah, bit, right, but I don't right, want right. to miss anything because I yeah, think I it's important and yeah, so right. on. So, okay. um, but... Trust me, I listen to myself sometimes when I'm reading this, and it's like, <laughs> this is painful just to even listen to. All right. Hey there, Andy, Al, and Joe. Best podcast ever. Seriously. It isn't even close. Uh, the blend of you three is fantastic. Thank you. Uh, money is supposed to be fun, and you folks do an outstanding job of making it so. I find myself laughing, nodding in agreement, and shaking my head from time to time in a good way because of one of the crew's responses. You guys and gal are awesome. We live in Minnesconsin, the twin cities of Minnesota. Shout out to you, Joe. All right, brother. And have a family cabin cottage on Lake Pepin, right on the Mississippi River in Wisconsin. We've been married 22-plus years, have two kids. The COVID-19 happening Now, fast forward our early retirement plans, and I am, for the most part, retired at age 47. Look at Brandon. Look at the big, bad wallet on Brandon. Wow, that was my goal, wasn't it? It was. 47. 47. Here I am still (laughs) working. (laughs) Uh, Hey, stop with the chit-chat, Al. I know. Sorry. Uh, COVID-19 doesn't bode well uh, for keynote speaker, author, trainer guy. Probably not. Yeah, I wonder what... Kind of keynote, keynote speaker. Yeah, Ooh, we're Roberts. looking for people at our webinars. Maybe yeah. you can help us. <laughs> yeah, maybe a guest. Yeah, uh, my wife, IT industry will retire in the next nine months or two years uh, for sure by July first, twenty twenty. I would love your insight on a few questions. So here is the info. Okay. All right. This is where you're going to start paraphrasing. I'm going to try because this is where it gets a little. Okay. Income, wife, salary annually, uh, which usually covers all of our annual expenses is $110,000. Wife maxes out 401k each year and health insurance also is covered. Uh, commercial real estate is also $20,000 and will continue in retirement. So okay. right now they got about $130,000 of income. 20000 of that is real estate income that will continue. Got it. Okay, wife will receive a pension of 300 to 350 with her retirement and has a current option based off the following potential retirement dates. Uh, there's a 50% survivor annuity attached to the pension. It looks like March 1st and July 1st are the dates the pension increases each year. Deferring payment grows the amount total of about twelve dollars to $15,000 a year. 
So he can either take a lump sum or an annuity payment, roughly $300,000 or roughly yeah. 900 bucks a month. Yeah, okay. All right. They got zero debt, one of our best decisions. We love the freedom independence. Good for you. No debt. Yeah. Like um, current spending, 50000 bucks a year. They don't really spend a lot of money. Yeah. I suppose living in Minnesota, there's... Even with two homes, huh? Yeah. But they got to pay it off, so that's why. Well, property taxes alone here would be 50000 Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, when Y fully retires, we plan on traveling, uh, so we would increase our spending to $70,000. However, we have $20,000 income from the commercial real estate, so we'd like our portfolio to provide the additional $50,000 a year for spending uh, in creating memories. Uh, we will also be paying eighty dollars to $100,000 each for our kids' college using 529 plans, scholarships, and pulling from retirement accounts that allows for educational purposes. All right. So do, did he tell us how many kids he's got? Not that I saw. All right. He does. He's got two, a 16-year-old oh, and a 13-year-old. Two kids. All I right. see it now. Got it. Okay. Current portfolio, post-tax. So he's got $360,000 in savings. 401k plans is about a million bucks. Traditional IRAs, 300,000. Roth IRAs, 200,000. $75,000 in 529 plans. So there we have it. We got a 16-year-old there and a 13-year-old. Yep. Okay. okay cool. All right. So what do they got? Uh, one point, call it $4 million in retirement accounts. Yep. Uh, that is pre-tax, 200000 in Roth accounts, and another, call it rounding, $400,000 in after-tax savings and brokerage. Okay. Like, right? That makes sense. Okay. So here's some questions. Should we stop any pre-tax retirement account savings and invest that money into a brokerage account? Uh, this will be the first year we qualify for Roth IRAs because our AGI was too high over the past several years. Since we are heavy in the pre-tax retirement accounts, uh, what do you think? Uh, let's see. Yeah, they got $110,000 of income. They file married. So taxable income, I'm guessing, is she fully funds the 401k plan. They're in the 12% tax bracket. Uh, yes, for sure. Jam up on Roth contributions. You'd probably even look at conversions, uh, but any additional savings, I would go in Roth or after tax, just because of the tax bracket. I'm guessing that commercial real estate, $20,000 annually, maybe there's some shelter through depreciation there. Yeah, you would assume that a lot of that would be sheltered with depreciation. So their tax bracket's not that high, right? Correct. Based upon what we have here. Yep. So let's go with, let's get the money and more money in the Roth. Absolutely. What would your suggestion for asset location uh, to help provide our desired income and minimize taxes. Our plan is to focus heavily on Roth conversions ladder strategy over the coming years as our income continues to go down. Can you speak to that plan in regards to how much to do each year in the reasons why this may not be the best strategy in our situation? Uh, so asset location, I guess, I think you're confused on, on, on some terms here. There's asset diversification and then there's asset location. Asset location means how do you invest the Roth accounts, the non-qualified accounts in your retirement accounts? Tax diversification is more how much money should I have in, in the Roth right. accounts versus sure. pre-tax versus um, after-tax. Sure. So if, if I'm looking at a 47-year-old that has $1.4 million in retirement accounts that only spends $50,000 a year, I, I think the strategy is to convert at least to the top of the 12 and then look at the top of the 22 until the tax law changes. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And and so the top they'll be they'll be in the twenty-two uh, percent currently while uh, his wife's working. Uh, but still, the twenty-two percent is a pretty low bracket. And certainly, if you retire, if she retires it in a couple of years, then you may potentially be in a low bracket for quite some time. So you can convert in the twelve percent bracket, which later will become the fifteen percent bracket. Still, a really nice low bracket. You can probably get a lot converted. But I wouldn't necessarily forego the twenty-two percent bracket because that's still a pretty low rate. So that's where maybe a little planning comes in. You kind of do some math to figure out what's the best tax rate. But but yeah, I think if it were me, I would be tempted to go up to the top of the twenty-two. Right. If I was Brandon, I'd be I'd be just taking a simple spreadsheet. Yeah. And then I would have different columns for my different assets and say, well, 50,000, and given an inflation factor, that's the need for the overall portfolio. Yeah. And so if he's got $350,000, let's say in, or 360 um, in non-qualified accounts. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at, that's about seven years of providing $50,000 of income with no growth on that money. Right, right. So, but he also needs to pay the tax on, on the, the conversions. The, on the conversions. So he's forty-seven. He can touch the money not until. Uh, does he get a four? Did he say four fifty-seven plan too? I think he does. So he could draw on that at any time. He says solo four hundred one k, and his wife has a four hundred one k. He's got a yeah, traditional like IRA. Wife's got a four uh, IRA. Oh, I thought I, I thought I saw four hundred one k. Yeah. Plan. So, but the the challenge the challenge as I see it is. There's only so much money to pay the tax on the conversions, to pay for your living costs, and to pay for your kid's college. So it's gonna, it's a balancing act, right? Right. So you're going to have to look at the total net worth of everything. Um, in some of the cases, you know what this case is, and he's not going to like what I'm going about to talk about, but debt would be a fairly good option for this individual take out a home equity line or something like that just to create a little bit more liquidity, even though he's very proud to be zero debt, debt free. Uh, but you have to look at, all right, well, let's say if I get a home equity line with interest rates at 3% that I can utilize some capital versus taking larger distributions from a 401k plan to pay for additional expenses and right. paying a tax at, at 25% or 28%. I mean, would you rather pay a little bit of interest or pay that much more to the IRS? especially with the, the commercial property. Maybe you could lever that up and have the, the rents pay that note to create some liquidity there. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts and options and we're just kind of spitballing here. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, you don't take on debt lightly. Absolutely but, not. But nevertheless, it, it in this particular circumstance, because there's a lot of net worth, and low spending, right? right. May, maybe it does make some sense because <laughs> later there's, I mean, a lot later, but later there will be social security, right? And there'll be, um, the, we got the pension. We haven't talked about that. Probably you want to take the lump sum. When you look at how low the monthly payments are, they're, they're not very high. But let's say 20 years from now, there's still, the, the, the living expenses are relatively low and their income is going to be pushing them up into a very high tax bracket, do the required distributions. Uh, agreed. And then yeah. right with the, with the social security. Yeah, because if you add, say, a $300,000 lump sum to their pre-tax, now it's about $1.6 By the time they have to take RMDs, it's probably $5 million or above, right? right? Because it's like his his third question here, and then we'll, we'll we'll have to get to a break here, is that what is your suggestion when it comes to use uh, the distribution on the pension plan? Go with the lump sum, pay the taxes, and use the remainder to help with the taxes on the Roth conversions. 
See, well, good news for you, Brandon, here, when you take the lump sum, it's not going to be fully taxable in the year that you take it. You roll it into an IRA and take those distributions out accordingly. Yeah, when you need it. When you need it. So, again, when you're looking at your total net worth of things, he's already uh, uh, picturing, all right, if I take $350,000 out as a lump sum, I'm going to pay $100,000, $150,000 of tax. I'm left with one fifty to help pay the tax. Again, you might want to think about using um, using the equity Potentially, because you have so much net worth, but most of it is still qualified, and you're young enough, and you'll have the income that you can create the liquidity that you need to to do some some planning. But again, um, you could do this without that as well. Yeah, and um, and if he takes the if he does that, which probably should take the lump sum, but then he can't really take the money out of that without paying penalty, right? Right. So you got that problem. You could do a seventy two T election, maybe if you need some more income. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of possibilities here. Yeah, the 72T tax election would allow you to avoid the, the 10% penalty, but then it, it then it jams them up because he has to take a separate equal periodic payment now until he yeah, turns 59 60. And yeah, right. right? So, and so that's additional income that maybe he needs or not. I agree. Yep. I think he might need it though, because especially if he uses his um, brokerage money for Roth conversion taxes in college. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of math here to be done. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. I mean, we just spitballed. Here's a few ideas to at least think about it. I, I think Brandon uh, did an awesome job. Yeah, right? for sure. You, you know, great saver, low spender. Yep, for Make, sure. Spend a little bit more. Enjoy it. Right. I mean, you're a keynote speaker. I wonder what he's what what what, what he talked about. Yeah, probably, probably talked about saving money. Yeah, how to how to, <laughs> how to save <laughs> how to kick ass <laughs> and save a ton of money. Yeah. Um, and retire at 47. Uh, with with more assets than most. So congratulations, Brandon. Um, see, it's the good folks from Minnesota. They're always um, smart, aren't they? You know what? They're they're helping people. I should say they're usually smart. Yeah, we got ML in the Northeast. It's pretty broad. Yeah, that is pretty broad. Northeast is pretty we big. Get, we got we have a general region. <laughs> uh, I'm imagining uh, Vermont. Could be. That's a good good yeah good vision. Yeah. So here we go. Hello. I love the show and curious if you can help me come up with a retirement number to aim for. I'm sure we can help you with that, ML. Um, I want to set aside the necessary amount each month and put it all on autopilot. But I don't know how much I will spend as I approach retirement, nor do I know what our salary will be so far down the road. We are 41 and have four kids, so I feel that a lot is going on and it's going to happen from now until then. When it comes to college savings, Vanguard has a wonderful page that allows you to input which school you'd like to save for, what you're current, uh, currently having 529 plans, expected returns, et cetera. Vanguard then figures out how much a school will cost when your child turns 18 and tells you exactly how much money that you need to save. Um, so they're making low household income, Al, $475,000 to $500,000. Very healthy income, yeah, that's, Al, from that's the Northeast. Great, right. My wife will go back to work uh, in about five years as a teacher. Uh, we will put $3,200 a month into a 529 plans, $800 kid per month. Currently, uh, it, they have $110,000. I max out my 401k plan. Uh, my company match in profit sharing it gets me to the IRS max of 56k into the 401k. I uh, currently have about $500,000 in 401k plans. I do the maximum backdoor Roth for my wife and I each year. Currently about $200,000 in Roths. I max out my HSA every year. Um, I invest $6,000 a month into a taxable account at Vanguard. 
Um, you know, what, what's the total amount in that? So you invest $72,000 a year there. I've been saving at this rate for about a year as I recently got a raise. I hope to continue until retirement, but who knows what the future brings. Thought on a number um, I should aim for. Um, feel free to send any thoughts on my financial information as well. Thanks, Advance, for your input. Okay, so here's the – and I guess he, he gets this too, and it's a problem. Right. Um, you're, you're in your early 40s, and I don't know what, what I'm going to spend at 65. Exactly. Who, or who, 60 or whenever I'm going to retire. Who, who the hell knows? And it's like, you know, I understand retirement planning, you know, but I, I like what he's doing. He's just throwing a ton of money at, at – Yeah, at, yeah. At, at some accounts. Right. Um, and but, but let's just look at it like this is I'm going to do some math for you um, as I'm going to skip the 529 plans because he already went to the Vanguard and the and Vanguard did that, did that and, the, yeah, and the Vanguard helped him. Okay. Uh, so he's got $500,000. He's saving $56,000 a year there plus 72. Yep. Um, so that's, I'm going to say he's saving. That's about uh, 130 plus. Yeah. I'm going to go. 140. 140. Okay. okay. And then he's 42 years old mm-hmm. and 42. So he wants to retire when? He's 41, but that, I'm not sure. 41? Can he say when he wants? Yes. 41, four kids. I know. Is retirement date, call yeah. it, I don't know, 20 years? Yeah. Let's yeah, let's call it 20 years. I All like right. that. 20 years, 7%. Future value is 8 million bucks. Yeah. All right. So four percent of that is three hundred twenty-three thousand dollars a year. He's making right now five hundred thousand dollars. Take away taxes of about two hundred thousand plus his savings of two fifty, plus health care, plus this, plus that. He's probably spending three. Let's say call it is spending with four kids is probably two hundred thousand. Yeah, maybe not that high, but not even that yeah. because he's saving one hundred twenty thousand yeah, on top yeah. of that. So call it one hundred fifty, right? With four kids, that's 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 reasonable. That's pretty good. If he keeps doing what he's doing at twenty years, he's that, gonna have the same living expenses, or he, he's gonna have the same purchasing power and, or higher. Yeah, I, that's what I think too. I think I, I don't like rule, rules of thumb, but I'm gonna say one anyway. And that is, if you can get to saving at least twenty percent of your income, you should be fine over the long term. And he's saving more than twenty percent of his income. Right. Exactly. So what we had um, to shoot for a number, I guess, yeah, 20% or, or maybe just shoot for if he, because he's in a fairly high tax bracket, trying to go because 20% is gross. Yeah. Maybe you try to go with 30% net. Yeah, you could do that. But I, but I think a, that's a, a real simple calculation is 20% of 500,000. That's a hundred K and he's already saving more than that. So I mean, you can do a full financial plan, and I can tell you this will probably look pretty good. But yeah, but there's so many unknowns. I know there, he, he there's gets a lot, it. right? And that's that's his problem. He he wants a number, and it's almost impossible to say. It depends upon your assumptions, right? Exactly. All I'm saying is, if you save at least twenty percent of your income in almost all scenarios, you'll be fine. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I think what you know with him is. Keep saving as much as you possibly can. Yeah, and it's okay to save more than 20%. Exactly. If you yeah. could save 50% of your net over the next three, four years, 
then you can be on cruise control. You know, for, the for fire generation, they'll save 80, 85%, right? Yeah. Right. Financial uh, independence retire early and people are retiring in their thirties. Of course, they're spending nothing, but that's a choice, right? Right. Well, yeah, we just had Brandon from Minnesota. So he's 47. Right. And he's got about 3 million. Right. So he's on his way there at 41. Right. You know, and he retired at 47, but they're only spending 50 grand. He's got four kids that are still pretty young. Yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine. I don't have any kids. I have myself. <laughs> and that's enough that's kid hard for you. Enough. It's hard enough. <laughs> to stay afloat. <laughs> the DIY Retirement Guide is our special offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com right now, but it's only available for the next few days. This free 48-page guide has steps to understand and plan your retirement income, strategies for choosing a tax-efficient distribution method, tips on preparing for the unexpected, and much more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and download the DIY Retirement Guide, but do it soon. It's only going to be there for the next couple of days. While you're there, check out the all-new episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show on investing in volatile markets. Timely, isn't it? Got questions? Click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes and send the fellows an email. You know, we've been holding on to this one for a while. I don't know why. But... Well, let's get to it then. Okay, we got uh, Bruce. Our buddy Bruce from Joy Z uh, writes in. Uh, well, I think he wrote this to Andy. It looks like it. Andy Last, the Wonder Woman of YMYW. Hello, number one, Joe. Number two, Big Al. Number three, Andy. Hope Joe is happy with first billing. I am very much pleased. Thank you. Uh, I've been hearing on the radio about an investment that's not universal life insurance. And it guarantees 10% return. And guarantee is in quotes. Uh, it must be legal if it keeps popping up on the popular news radio station, right? Uh, let's see. From what I found out, in my limited understanding, I think it's buying somebody's whole life insurance for higher than the surrender amount, but lower than the cash value, hence guaranteed earnings. I've never heard this on your show. Can you check it out? Um, yeah. All right. Bruce, what? You're going to hear a lot of crap on the radio, especially this show. <laughs> and what? Just kind of be careful when you're think when, when you're hearing guarantees. Al and I used to be on a station in San Diego, and there was a gentleman that followed us. Wasn't he on right after he us? He was right on after us, correct? And he would talk about all sorts of alternatives. And this is back in 08. Right. Because the market was tanking and, and he was actually a really good speaker. And so Al and I would be, you know, talking the same BS. I mean, it's almost the identical show, probably the same content. <laughs> probably. And so he would then come on after us. And this is when we would do it live in the studio and he would do, be in the lobby, look at, you know, and then come in. Right. Now we have our studio in our, in our own office. We don't have to go to the radio station. Um, but then it's like, well, yeah, if you're listening to um, guys that talk about standard in investments, such as stocks, bonds, real estate, you need to get rid of those people because, you know, I have an investment that can guarantee X and, these are alternatives, and this is what you know the multi-rich in you know billionaires invest in, and everything else. Yeah, and you should be able to get some of this too. Right, and I'm going to make it available to all of you. 
Right. If you call this number, right, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, guess where he's sitting today? <laughs> he's, in, uh, he's in jail. He's in jail. Yes. Uh, San Diego, somewhere. I don't know if he's in San Diego or Southern California. I don't know where the hell he is. Uh, the guy was a punk, and um, our office used to be next to his. He tried to do a lot of things to mimic our firm, but offered just really crappy products that were total filled with conflicts of interest. Um, and I don't know if they were like Ponzi type, but how he marketed them and then like the, the fees and commissions that were never disclosed and the conflicts of interest that were never disclosed, uh, they basically barred the guy from the industry. Uh, but he did get a lot of business. He did. I remember you and I for quite a while wondered how he could get away with this. Well, in fact, he didn't get away with it. Yeah, right. It's like, we're like, what the hell is, how can he see this crap? Yeah, you're not allowed to say that stuff. <laughs> right. And then lo and behold, you know, just be careful. If someone's touting a, a, a 10% rate of return or any type of return on investment, uh, the, the risk-free rate right now is like 1%. It, it's exactly one. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's going to probably go lower given where interest rates are. Right, so we call the risk-free rate, you know, the the, the treasury. Yeah, that's right. And e- even they have risks. The treasury could go. I mean, negative. I, yeah, I suppose. Right? Yeah. Um, so be careful. The ten percent rate of return in today's, especially in today's environment, um, it is almost impossible, if not impossible. Uh, it is impossible to guarantee that. Uh, but to have a consistent ten percent return is, it's a 0.001% chance that that could ever happen. Right. Right. Uh, But I think for an average investor or an individual investor that is not necessarily sophisticated, they hear 10% and they're like, you know what? I want some of that. Yeah. Because I just went to my bank and they offered me 1%. Right. So 10 10 looks pretty good. Or they could have experience with investing in a diversified portfolio that maybe produced a 10% rate of return or a 12% rate of return. Yeah, for a while. For, for, you know, and then they're like, hey, this is safer and I could get a 10% rate of return. Why wouldn't I do that? Right. Um, basically, what this guy is selling, um, and it's like a better financial plan or something like that. I don't really want to tout this dude or even give him props. <laughs> um, but it, they're viaticals. A lot of it is what is called a viatical and or um, life settlements. I'll remember the life settlements. I do, right. And so what a life settlement or a viatical is, is that let's say I have life insurance on my life. And Alan says, you know what? I will pay those premiums for you. Yeah, because I think you're going to kick the bucket. Sooner than you do, right? And, and sooner than the insurance company thinks. Yes, and I can't pay my premiums anymore, or I don't want the insurance anymore. And I, I think there's an investment here because I think you're going down, right? So, I, so I go, Joe, I'll buy it from I'll you. I'll buy it from you. Uh, here, here's a hundred thousand, right? Or whatever. Let's say my my death benefit is a million dollars. I'll pay a hundred thousand for it, and I'll, and I'll start making the payments. Yep. Because I think uh, think this is a pretty good investment for me. (laughs) So then Al takes over my life insurance. So he's got an insured interest on my life. Right. Which usually isn't a good thing. I know. It's never a good thing if it's not your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Or even if it is your spouse. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so I die and then Al gets the million dollars. So he's like, here. And so what they do is they package these up. So it's not usually on one life because Al might find a hitman to kill me. (laughs) 
Isn't it like a, a double blind trust? Yes. It's, so you don't know who it you, is. You don't know who the hell it is and everything right. else. And so they got certain life expectancies. They pay into these premiums. And so they used to call them death bonds because you pay a premium and then it's a bond. The, right. the bond is going to mature when that person dies. Right. And so what he's doing is buying viaticals and selling them. Um, or you could buy viaticle on the open exchange if you wanted to. So just, you can Google viaticle or life settlement. Uh, so that is exactly what's going on in, in that guy's world. So if you want that as a diversifier, by all means, but just understand what you're buying. Of course, he's not saying that, hey, we want people to die because then we get, we're, we're taking advantage of the death benefit. He's saying, hey, I got a, an alternative that's going to pay you 10%. Just be careful out there. Uh, Bruce has got another couple of questions here for us, Big Al. All right, let's see. He just realized that some stocks have, for an example, a 5% dividend, while Vanguard Fund, VTSAX, only has 1.77. Since Vanguard can double in 10 years, does that mean the stock can sextuple in 10 years? Or are they calculated differently? Um, I don't know where Bruce from Jersey is going from here. So, well, I think he's asking, does a dividend, high dividend paying stock, has that a higher rate of return? You, you got to look at total return, Bruce. Yeah, that's, that's what he's missing, right? So you're either going to have capital appreciation of the stock. So the, let's say the stock is trading at $10 a share and it goes to $12 a share. Um, it doesn't produce a dividend. You could have another stock that stays at $10 a share, but produces a $2 dividend. Yeah, same, same. Same, right? same. You got the same total return. So I think what people don't understand, if, if there's a company that's paying a 5% dividend every year, their, their value is going down 5%. Now, it may go up because of other factors, but if you just look at that one transaction in a vacuum, this, the day you declare that dividend, you get the dividend, yes, $100 stock, $5 dividend. Right, but now your now your stock is worth ninety five dollars. So you just have part of it in cash. Yeah, and you know how many arguments we've gotten with other people. I know you are out of your mind. That is not how it works. Because it went up the next day. Well, it <laughs> might have because of market, market forces. volatility. Right, but <laughs> if there was no market volatility, that's the exact mathematics is how this works. Exactly. So, um, so you just got to take a look at yeah. You, what is the goal? You know, what are you trying to accomplish? So it's not like you get the dividend and the stock price stays and then it doubles. So I see what you're trying to, to, to get after there, but just understand that the stock price goes down the same amount as the dividend that is um, uh, distributed. And then um, he's got another question here. I had funds during the market crash, middle of March, and thought about it, then started to invest. Okay, so this is a request, I guess. Yeah. Uh, believing the market will get worse due to the continued shutdown, um, I waited for a better price. April, May, June. Market is still crazy. Uh, still in shutdown. Many people are still employed. Riots happening. And oh, yeah, the coronavirus um, hasn't been cured. Vanguard funds are almost back to how much they were, uh, meaning I missed the discount. I'm requesting your permission on what to do. Uh, invest a little more anyway, and maybe it can still go down. In the past, of course, no guarantee, but the downturn didn't reoccur until months later. What can you make of this economy? Thanks and stay healthy. All right. Um, so, Bruce, a couple of things. When, 
I like how he talks about Vanguard as like a particular investment. Right. Yeah. It's just, you know, the Vanguard one. <laughs> they got hundreds of them. Vanguard is a fund company, mutual fund company that is a very good company. Al and I both uh, like Vanguard and recommend Vanguard to our clients. And I personally invest in Vanguard funds. I do too. So, um, but it's a fun company. So when you say Vanguard totally recovered and let's say he's got um, Schwab didn't. Well, it depends on what's invested in the Vanguard fund versus let's say the Schwab fund. Right. Uh, So just, understand that Vanguard is the grocery store. You can still buy anything you want inside the grocery store. It's Vanguard, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, whatever. Uh, They have their proprietary funds and there's hundreds of these proprietary funds. So just when you say Vanguard, be more specific to, all right, um, large cap, small cap, mid cap, whatever. Right. Like you did here with your VTSAX fund. Yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming when he's saying the Vanguard funds are almost back to how much they were, he's talking about an equity fund, maybe a U.S. equity fund. Yeah, because... Probably large S&P, let's just say. Markets tanked, markets came back. And I was I was waiting for a good price, right? And because things are getting way worse, and then it, it ticked up a little bit in April. I thought, wow, it's going to go back. I'm going to wait. And May it went up again. June it went up again. No. Here we are, July. July. Up again. It's like... How do, well, you make, how do you make sense of that? It's, it's, it's a challenging uh, predicament because if, I mean, if you went into cash, right? Yeah. Let's say you went into cash in March. What the hell do you do? <laughs> yeah. How hard would it be to get back into the market it, today? It'd be it's totally hard. I mean, because you probably got into cash after the market tank because you got worried. R- right, right, because you saw it decline in your right. balance. Right, and so then, and then it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. Because until it hits bottom, then I'm going to buy back. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's, it's more than when I sold it. Right. Right. And I missed, I, how do I get back in? It's, and this whole market timing thing is very tricky. That's why we don't recommend it because it's almost impossible. Because you can say all these bad things are happening and, and, and Bruce, you're right. But will the market respond in kind or accordingly? Not necessarily. Yeah, because the market responds to you know, is it good or as bad as expected? Yeah. And it's forward looking. So it's, it's, there's an anticipation we're going to get better. Right. Right. And maybe we don't, maybe in six months we don't, maybe the market tanks again, but that's, that's why a market can go up in spite of bad things happening. It's, it's the general consensus is it's going to be temporary. So they're looking at, all right, well, look at all these new, cases. That's right. Look at um, bars and restaurants, movie theaters, things yeah, like being, that. They're being closed. But then on the other hand, there's there's some positive news and vaccines and treatments and people aren't dying. Yeah, not, not as much as they were, right? So oh, maybe it'll get better. Right. And we got all these, it's, it's, it's impossible to predict. So we generally say stay invested and don't worry about market timing. And if you've got a lot of money to invest, if you're nervous about it, just invest a little bit each month, dollar cost average, if that makes you feel better. Yeah. And, uh, and it's hard. You're trying, you, Bruce, it's just being patient, you know, but I just read another article of some guy lost um, some 30 year old, uh, lost another million bucks in Robin Hood. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, t- trading that options, options? Yeah. doing that, right? Yeah, sure. Because it, 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 we have almost like this gambling mentality. Yeah. And it's boring to see your accounts just 
you know, hey, I don't want to invest and wait 15 years to see or 10 years to see my Yeah, because I, I can double my money in, in 10 days <laughs> yeah, if right. I pick it right. <laughs> I can also lose everything. So investing should be boring. It should be boring. Um, that's why this show is really boring. <laughs> it's the worst. So, um, but yeah, did you miss the discount? I don't know. Well, think about it. What, what, what's the goal for the money? Yeah, do you we, need the money 10 years from now? Do you think the market's going to be higher 10 years today than it is now? Well, buy now. You've got your discount. Yeah, that's the only explanation, right? I mean, it's, it's and the answer is you'll know in 10 years, right? <laughs> but the thing is, if you look at almost any 10-year period, there are exceptions, but almost any 10-year period, the market's higher than it was 10 years earlier. Right. Um, especially, I don't think it's ever been lower in a globally diversified portfolio. I agree with that. Yeah, um, S- I think the S&P, S&P did the last decade. T- 2000 to 2010 actually went down. That's really unusual. But a globally diversified portfolio in that same period went, went up. Vanguard's VTSAX, that's the Total Stock Market Index Fund, is pretty popular. So why not go all in on it? That question has been asked before on this podcast, and that episode happens to be the most popular one we've ever released. If you missed it or you want to relive it, you can find it in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. So what do you think? After hearing the fellas doing all of these retirement plan spitball analyses today, do you think maybe it's time for you to email them your situation and see what they spitball for you? Or for more than just spitballing, you can sign up for a free two-meeting financial assessment with one of the certified financial planners on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. You can do that in the show notes too. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com if you got money questions. We will answer those questions right here on the show. We will try not to do so much chit-chat now. <laughs> yeah, we got a comment from... Uh, Long time in China. Long time in China. So, that, so when someone complains, they don't give you their name. They just make up a name. Yeah. When you say good topics, but too much chit chat. Yeah. It'd be great if the host can stick to the point. The banter is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, China. Long time in China. Uh, we, we never t- claim to be comedians. It's yeah. like we're just talking about certain topics. And you know, here, here's if we the, get sidetracked, we get sidetracked. Here's the thing. You can tune in or you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. So that's there you go. That's what we got. We still got four stars, though. I know. He gave us four stars. But not five. Not because, five because we're, we're not, not always not, funny. Not, not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Decent topics if they just stay on topic. If they would just get to the point. Jesus. I listen all this time to get the point. Oh, these guys just drive me nuts. <laughs> How you, how how you like in this segment? Long time in China. <laughs> Pretty bad so far. Hey, we got um, Massey. Is that is that right? Sounds good to me. Massey. Yeah, I like it. All right. Is it a good idea to have some individual stocks in a taxable account? I don't know. Someone just like sends just random stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. It can be. <laughs> Sure. If you pick the right one. I guess so. Well, let me, let me, let's, let's go to the tax benefits. First of all, there are tax benefits of doing it that way because with an individual stock, um, basically you have dividends on it potentially, but there's no capital gains until you you sell sell it. it, Yeah. Right. So when you, if you buy a mutual fund or even an index fund, there's going to be some gains and losses because there's some sales inside those funds which are taxable. So if you own an individual stock, it is more tax efficient. It's one of the most tax efficient vehicle Mm -hmm. you can possibly own. But I don't own any in my 
taxable portfolio account. And the reason being is I'm not willing to take that much risk on an individual company. So for me, I understand it's a better tax benefit to have those uh, individual securities, but I, I don't want to, there's too much investment risk for my liking. So I would much rather have an index fund or a low cost ETF or something like that. Because you're still going to get pretty good tax treatment. on. Yeah, it. that's right. Because I mean, if I went with an active mutual fund, meaning one that the, the man, fund manager is trying to beat an index and so they're buying and selling all the time, that's very tax inefficient. But if I buy uh, an index fund, let's just say an S&P 500 index fund that's trying to mirror the S&P 500, they're not really buying and selling except when people are adding money and taking money out. So there's very little capital gains. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really have much taxation on it other than the dividends, which I would have anyway with stocks. So that's why I don't really like individual stocks. They're very tax efficient, but I'm, I'm concerned about the investment risk. Now, I will say... If you happen to pick the right stock. How about you pick Tesla? What's <laughs> Tesla up right now? Yeah, I mean, if I you- think it was up 14%. If, if, you would invest, if you would have invested in Apple stock in 1980, you picked the right stock. <laughs> but if you would have invested in the other 2000 that didn't do as well, you might've been sorry. Yeah, there you go. That's five days, so a couple. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, that's that's always true of stocks. It, it's there's a lot more risk because it's a single company. You can do much better than the market. You can do much worse than the market. I'm not willing to in, have my investment be that big of a roller coaster. So that's why I go with index funds and ETFs. Yeah, I'm with you, Al. I I don't own an individual stock either. Um, I was thinking about you know maybe putting like a couple grand. In something just for fun? Yeah. What would you pick? Huh? Maybe maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe that's like recommending something. <laughs> About <laughs> one share of a stock a few years ago. You did? it's done very well since. You have one share of one stock? I, I bought one share and a couple of years later, the sho- uh, stock split. So now I actually own seven shares. Wow. You should be a, <laughs> an analyst. Of- yeah. Well, as as uh, as they say, the the range of of um, returns is much greater with a single stock. You can do much better, or much worse than the market as a whole. Hey, did you see that email that Brian Perry sent in regards to the people that lost money owning individual stocks versus people that lost money owning ETFs over the last five years? I missed it somehow. Uh, damn it! Because I'm going to say something that's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 the gist was this, All right. is that if you owned like an ETF index fund, mutual fund, any basket of stocks over the last five years, 7% of people lost money. Okay. Okay. If you own individual stocks, around 50% of people lost money. 50. 50. Okay. So that's the difference, right? You okay. could hit a home run, but you can also strike out significantly by owning individual stocks with ETFs, index funds, you're kind of just hitting base hits. Yeah, right? and I and I think and I've heard that before too. And I and I think Joe, that's because when you look at indexes, just a handful of stocks bring everything else up. It's just that you don't know which ones they're gonna be. Exactly. 
All right, folks, that's all we got for you today. Send in your questions. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Robots, beer, and stupid purchases in the derails today. Stick around to the end if that's your kind of thing and you aren't long time in China. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get that detailed, personalized financial analysis of your situation by clicking Get an Assessment at YourMoneyYourWealth.com or call 888-994-6257. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities of services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Our, our website's all messed up. It's full of bugs. We're getting it fixed. But uh, the Ask Joe and Big Al on the air is uh, temporarily getting destroyed by robots. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing, right? What, what do the robots care about? I don't know. They're, they're a lot of they, they really like our show, apparently. <laughs> yes. So In the meantime, if you go to the page, you can actually click the, the email address, info at purefinancial.com, and just send in your questions as an email instead. I guess people um, like to do the other thing a little bit better. Maybe yeah. it's confusing. I don't know. Right there, that 50000 I wonder if he's got that part of a little beer budget. You know? Yeah. Maybe so. Oh, bush light. <laughs> that's, a, that's a favorite up in Minnesota. It is? Yeah. Oh, Bush Light. Yeah. PBR? No, PBR and Bush Light. Cur- Coors Light, is that big up there or not so much? Um, I drink Coors Light. I know you so do. So when I'm in Minnesota, I drink Coors Light. But if I'm at a relative's house, it's either PBR or Bush Light. Got it. Those are your two choices. But yes. Got it. Unless I bring my own. Got it. Okay. So um, my mother drinks Bud Light. Bud Light, which okay. Which she does drink. But Got it. everyone else, that's all I see. Bush Light. Got it. It's gross. It's cheap, right? It's very cheap. <laughs> well, maybe that's just the, the folks I hang out with. Maybe. Uh, no, you can't boy. have another Star Wars mask. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, the segments of stupid purchases could be coming up next. Uh, could be. <laughs> could be. I think you're entitled. It's been a long time since you got that uh, Darth Vader mask. I have not had a really stupid... Um, I, I'm still wanting to see you in a Chewbacca costume. <laughs> Chewbacca could be coming out. That yeah. would be perfect because you're like six, seven feet tall, whatever it is. So that would be perfect for Chewbacca. What did you just say? You like six, six or seven feet tall. I thought she said I'd like sex and seven feet tall. I'm like, what <laughs> wow. are you talking about? No. So I'm wearing these headphones that I can't hear Andy very well, but I can hear everything that Alan breathes. <laughs> Yeah, but he, <laughs> well, you don't need to wear the headphones. I know. I but just, you like to hear I, me I, breathe. Yes, I just feel it. A, it I, makes you relax somehow. I'm in the zone, Al. Yeah, right. you got to put these on. you got to act the part. I suppose. you got to be prepared. So when you're on the radio and you, if you don't wear headphones, it just doesn't feel right. I know when we used to do it in the, in the studio at the radio station, we always had headphones on. That's how you how you did it. And I, I remember sort of cranking it up. You know, my voice sounded okay when I cranked it. It was low. It's like, what did you say? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yep, I do have a lot of stupid purchases. Darth Vader mask is one. Stormtrooper masks. Are- you got them too? Oh, yeah. I'm saying if you had kids, right. I, you would have to... That. You'd have to then convince them not to get stupid things when you're just as bad at it. So it's a good thing that you only have yourself to manage. True. Yeah. I bought a golf bag that is like larger than life. <laughs> Can you spend the night in it? <laughs> you, could probably, you could put a piece of beer in there. 
Uh, it's it's like a staff bag. I don't even know. I'm not even that good at golf, and I have like this staff bag, like a pro bag. Is it? Oh, really? It's giant. It's giant. It looks good though. You should. Do you have one of those bags that's like on a remote control that you can? No, no, didn't no, go that far. Don't have one of those. I have seen some of those on on the, you know, one of yeah. the, the, the the carts. Yeah, they kind of follow you along. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's the next purchase. No. It's on it's on Amazon coming in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs>